Well, hey, good morning, Northridge Church. It is great to be with you this morning. Merry Christmas to each and every one of you, and welcome home. That's something we say pretty regularly around here at Northridge Church, and, and we really do desire that. We, we genuinely mean that, that when you show up to one of our services or to one of our groups, we want you to feel like you're not part of a crowd, but you are part of a family. And, and during the holiday season where family is so important, right, being home and gathering with the people we love, we hope every Sunday you feel that. When we gather together, no matter where you're gathering, whether it's on, online or in, in person at Webster or Rochester, we, feel, we want you to feel like you're gathering together with the people who love you and care for you. So welcome home, Merry Christmas, and welcome to Northridge Church. And you know, as we started this series in December, I, I made a promise to you that I would deliver three amazingly awesome Christmas sweaters. And I feel like I've really done the trick. I mean, come on. Really, that's all you got for me. Come on. And you know, I, I saved the best for last. You know, this sweater is, is not your ordinary sweater. In fact, could we just, you know, dim the lights down just a, a tad bit? Right, y'all don't even know what's coming at you. I mean, look at this. I wired this this morning for you guys. No, go ahead and turn the lights on. <laughs> anyway, Merry Christmas. And you know what? If my sweaters have done nothing at all, I think they might have done something. They might have brought a little bit of Christmas spirit to our church because I recognize there are some of you that just aren't there yet, right? We're six days away from Christmas and you're just saying, you know, it still doesn't feel like Christmas, right? Maybe that, that's because two days ago in Rochester it was like 61 degrees, who would have thought? Uh, but you're like, man, I just, I just can't get there. Can I get a little bit of help, Drew? And don't worry, I'm here to provide help because I'm just gonna share a couple of ways that I personally in October get in the Christmas spirit, <laughs> right? And so, you know, maybe it's as simple as you go home today, go to Wegmans or wherever you shop, grab some eggnog, any eggnog drinkers in, in, in the, yeah, okay, Webster, wrong line, yeah. You just get some eggnog, and what I like to do with my eggnog is, you know, I don't drink it straight, I like to pour it as the creamer to my coffee, and it makes this beautiful marriage, and it just breathes a Christmas spirit. Or, you know, maybe that won't work for you, you don't like eggnog, here's my go-to, here's my go-to Christmas spirit, right? You go home, grab your phone, put some headphones in, or go to your TV, crank up the volume, go to Pandora, and here's what you search, the station, Michael Buble Christmas. And if that doesn't get you in the Christmas spirit, you're hopeless, okay? You're hopeless. Or you know what? Hey, maybe some of you, you're classic people, right? You just need to put on white Christmas and let that kind of breathe the Christmas spirit into you. Or today, grab some hot chocolate. We've got some for you in our lobbies online. You gotta make your own. Uh, get some hot chocolate and just drive around with your family and friends and look at all the Christmas lights. And this is crazy, right? This, this thing we call the Christmas spirit. Here's what's incredible about it is it's not just a feeling. It actually, when people get into the Christmas spirit, it causes them to do things, like climb on ladders and put lights in dangerous spots on their house, right? It causes us to change our behavior, act in a different way. And we've been talking about this idea of heaven invading earth, right? Jesus coming and giving us life to the fullest. But what's interesting is Jesus invaded earth. He fulfilled his mission, his death and his resurrection. And now he's going to leave earth. But heaven's still, in, still going to invade because heaven remained on earth through the spirit of God. And if you haven't been with us, we, we've really been in jumping into those two words, heaven invading. The very first Christmas, that's exactly what happened. Jesus left 
heaven and he invaded earth. It was messy and it was broken. And we said that, that the first Christmas was God beginning to unfold this beautiful plan to rescue humanity from sin. And so we needed a rescuer, a sufficient rescuer. And week one, we talked about what made Jesus that, that he was born of a virgin and the implications of his virgin birth make him able, have the capacity to rescue us from our own problem, the sin in our lives. And then week two, we talked about how would you describe your life? Right, if I were to ask you to describe your life right now, what words would you use? And, and I suggested that probably none of us would describe our lives as heaven on earth. That we're experiencing heaven now instead of waiting for later. And we talked about how we achieve that. And today we're gonna talk about, that. we're gonna continue that conversation because here's what we need to know is Jesus didn't just come to show us the way to heaven on earth, but he left the Holy Spirit so we could experience heaven on earth. Because as Jesus goes to leave earth, leave earth, he left his spirit to save us and lead us to the place that we can experience life and life to the fullest. And so if you got your Bibles, John chapter 14 is where we're going to be. John chapter 14. I'd encourage you to grab your physical device and turn there. Um, jump into the Northridge Church app. You can take notes. And let me kind of paint the picture of what's going on in John chapter 14. Let me set the scene, give you the context. You see, if in your Bible, if you're going to, if you're just to go back one chapter, John chapter 13, it's probably a passage that many of us know the events of. It's one of Jesus' most famous acts other than his death and his resurrection. It's where he washes his disciples' feet. And so in John chapter 13, there's an evening meal. Jesus and his disciples are hanging out and he gets up, he humbles himself, he grabs a towel and he begins to wash his disciples' feet. And as he washes his disciples' feet, what's interesting is Jesus makes two declarations to his disciples. He says to his disciples, one of you is actually going to betray me and I'm going to die. And you can, you can imagine that took the dinner and made it really weird and awkward really fast because his disciples were confused and distraught by this statement Jesus made. They're like, Who, who's gonna betray you and, and why are you going to die? You see, they thought Jesus came to earth to overtake the earth, right? To, to lead this rebellion over the, the, the oppression of the Roman Empire and for Jesus, their savior, their Messiah, their redeemer to say, whoa, uh, you're going to be betrayed by one of us and, and you're going to die? Like, this was confusing for them. This blew their mind and they were distraught by it. And so as we enter John chapter 14, Jesus begins to comfort his disciples that are hurting in this moment. They're distraught. They don't know what to do. And he says, it's okay. I'm going to leave earth. Right? I'm going back to heaven. But the good news is I'm not going to leave you Alone, And we pick up the, the conversation in verse 16 of John chapter 14. Jesus starts by saying this. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. Now I want to pause here for just a second because really Jesus, what he's doing is echoing what we studied last week in John chapter 10. Jesus says, you want to experience heaven on earth? It's, it's, it's a really simple recipe, right? Last week we talked about knowing the shepherd and following his voice and his example. And Jesus basically says the same thing here four chapters later. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. It's an echo, right? What does God want from us? He wants our love, right? He doesn't want religious robots who check a lot of boxes, who look the part. What Jesus wants from us is a relationship. 
He says, I want you to love me, to walk in a relationship with me. And out of that love and out of that relationship, if you truly love me, you will do what I say. You will obey my commands. So Jesus echoes what he says, but then he presses in with his disciples. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor it knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus encourages his disciples who are distraught. He says, hey, guys, don't worry. I'm going away. Don't worry. You know the way to me. But I'm going to give you. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to give you help. I'm going to bring an advocate into your life who is the Holy Spirit. And so let's talk about advocate, right? This is a legal term, but if we simplify it, it just simply means a helper. God's going to send us an advocate which is going to assist us, help us, guide us, and lead us throughout our lives as we try to achieve this thing called heaven on earth. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the Holy Spirit and I think about his role in our lives, the word help just doesn't seem to cover it. Right? It doesn't seem like it's, it's enough to like cover all the, the things the Holy Spirit does in our life. And I think part of that reason is, is when we use the word help in our society today, we often think about something that is temporary. Right? When we get help, right, we, we call for help, it comes and then it goes and it leaves. Right? But let's put it to you like this. Right? Let's say you know, this week you're, you're driving down one of the interstates in Rochester and you get a flat tire or your, 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 your hood starts to smoke. And what do you do? You pull off the side of the road, you grab your phone, and you call for help. And that help comes. It changes your tire. It fixes the problem. And what does that help do? It leaves and you go on your way. But the Holy Spirit, God's gift to us in the Holy Spirit is not like that. It's not a help that comes and goes. It's a help that's always available. It's like you driving your car and there's always a car following you just in case you're in need. And God gives us this gift to help us achieve heaven on earth that's always available to us. But I don't know if you're like me, right? I don't like to really receive help. I love to give help, but I, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm a prideful man, honestly, and I don't like to ask for help or receive help. And what, what's interesting is I study this idea of help. Often, if I look at my own life, and this is probably true for your life, a lot of the times where I did something that, that, that is worth something, I usually had help. Let me give you an example of this. You, you might have heard of the miracle on the Hudson. Right, this happened in the news not too long ago where there was this commercial flight, people on it, this, this captain named Captain Sully, he took off from LaGuardia, gets in the air, and as he's flying shortly in the air, both of the jet engines fail. Right, that's my worst nightmare, by the way. Can you imagine this sitting in your seat and, you know, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. We're gliding right now. That's terrifying, right? So this guy is, is, is this captain of this plane. He has no thrust, no jet engines. He's got to figure out what to do really fast. And so he makes this decision to actually land the plane on the Hudson River. And you might have seen him on, you know, the, the, the news. You might have seen him everywhere. He was everywhere getting interviewed. How did you do it? Man, you're, you're a hero. You're, you're amazing. What I love about this captain is every time you see him in an interview or you read something that he said, he's always pointing back to the help that helped him achieve what he did. He constantly says, hey, you don't understand. I get all the accolades and, and I'm called a hero, but I would have never been able to land that plane safely if I didn't have a co-pilot. 
He says, my co-pilot was doing things that I couldn't do in that moment that he needed to do so we could land that plane safely. And the reality is for us, God has given us a co-pilot, a co-pilot that will assist us, be our advocate in life to help us to get to the places we need and want to be. And I want to talk about how the Holy Spirit today serves us and uses us and leads us and helps us in two major ways. The first way is the Holy Spirit serves as our guide, right? He is our guide in life. And so we go to make choices in life. He plays an active, should play an active role in our lives to lead us to the right path and avoid the wrong path. And, and anytime I think about this, this word guide, I think about my dad. You see, my dad was, you might not have known this about my father, but he was an avid hunter. He loved to go hunting, especially when he was younger and more agile. And that hobby grew more and more when Ashley and I started dating because my father-in-law, Ashley's dad, his name is Jim, he's also a very big hunter. And what was weird is Ashley and I got married, right? My dad became best friends with my father-in-law. So you can imagine, it's kind of a little weird relationship. Like my dad called my father-in-law more than he called me. I mean, come on, dad. And so they would go on these hunting trips all over the United States looking for the next uh, animal to, 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 to hunt and, and trap and whatever. They loved doing it. And every time my dad came back from a trip hunting, he would come back with all these pictures. And we would love scrolling through the pictures of like the cabin he stayed at, what the landscape of the place was, the animals in that area. And every time my dad came back, there was always one picture with a, someone, a stranger to me, but my dad always was like, had his arm around him. I was like, dad, who, who's this dude? And it was usually like this big, burly man with this giant beard camo everywhere. And my dad was like, that's our guide. And I always wondered like, dad, why do you need a guide? You've been hunting for 30 years, right? You know how to track deer. You know how, you know, you know what to spray on your body. What, you know, what do you need a guide for? And you know, he's like, Drew, you don't understand. We, we hunt in places we've never been. And so we, we, we don't know the danger spots or where the animals run, our guide serves us as pointing us in the right direction and keeping us from the wrong one. And that's exactly one of the roles the Holy Spirit plays in our lives. As we go about achieving a life and life to the fullest, the Holy Spirit pushes us that direction. I'm gonna talk about two ways he guides us. The first way is he convicts us of sin. He says, hey, hold on, that's the wrong direction to go. Don't go down that route. Don't listen to that thief. Don't go that way. He convicts us, he calls us out when we need it. And I would suggest today, if I'm gonna press in just a little bit, some of you today have been hearing that voice. You've been hearing that voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, just shouting out loud, don't make that decision. Don't go down that path. You know where that's gonna lead. You know what damage that's gonna do. You know how that's gonna hurt your future or your relationship. And he's been shouting out like, yo, this is not what God wants for you. This is not God's best. This is actually disobedience to God. And one of the roles the Holy Spirit plays in our life is he calls us out. He says, yeah, trust me, you don't wanna go that way. Trust me, I, I know where that path leads and that's the last place you wanna go. But on the other side, he doesn't just tell us all the wrong things we're choosing. He also teaches us the truth and points us to the right way, right? The Holy Spirit shows us, hey, you want to have fulfillment in life? You want to describe your life as heaven on earth? Let me show you that path. In fact, two chapters later in John 16, look what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says, but when he, the spirit of truth comes, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. 
He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so the Spirit serves as our guide where he shows us the wrong, he shows us not a way to go, and he points us to the right way, the the way that we long for and should follow. But then secondly, as our advocate, he guides us, but secondly, he provides for us. When we believe in Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit dwells us in, in our lives, he brings provision in incredible and supernatural ways. I love what the Apostle Paul says in in, in chapter one of Ephesians. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. It's interesting, right, that Paul, one of the early church leaders, what did he pray for people? He prayed that they would know the Spirit and that Spirit would give them wisdom and discernment and revelation. And so the Holy Spirit provides things in our lives that we can't manufacture or obtain on our own. And I want to talk about two ways that the Holy Spirit provides for us. The first way constantly blows my mind that the Spirit of God provides us and gives us access to the power of God. (laughs) For a second, just read that and let it kind of blow your mind, right? When we say yes to Jesus, when he becomes our leader and our forgiver, God himself comes and dwells within us and we have access to the power of God Almighty. I don't know why we we underplay this so much in the church or we overlook it. Somehow the Holy Spirit has become a forgotten God that we just ignore and pretend doesn't exist. But wow, he gives us power and not just ordinary power, but the power of God. You know, every time I read this verse, it just continues to stretch my way of thinking. Look at Romans 8. Look what Apostle Paul says. He says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because his spirit who lives in you. Now, for a second, let's just just comprehend this for a second. This is is miraculous. This is amazing, okay? Think about Jesus, right? We celebrate his birth, and we celebrate his birth because of what he came to do, right? He died on a cross, and three days later, he resurrected, right? Dead people don't come back to life, okay? Just so you know, right? Don't try that at home. And guess what? The Bible says that the spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Listen, I'll be the only one excited about that. Okay, fine. (laughs) Right? Come on. Like God himself, that power lives within you. Okay, Acts 1. Maybe you need more, right? You will receive. Can we just all say, and you will receive Wow, man, I can't wait to get that kind of power, seriously. (laughs) I even had lights on my Christmas sweater today. Let's try that again. Webster, I want to hear you more than I hear Rochester online. Okay, and you will receive power. Whoa, come on, we're working there. We're almost there. Still don't really want that kind of power, but we'll go with God's, all right? And you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Right? God gives us access to his power. Acts 4, it says, when they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
See, God provides his spirit and that spirit gives us power and that power should make us confident. That power should make us bold, especially during the Christmas season that we can share the gospel in our community, in our neighborhoods because God is living in us, right? He doesn't just provide the power of God. He also provides and gives us spiritual gifts. Another supernatural thing where when the spirit of God comes and lives inside of you, he creates gifts in your life based on who you are to bring glory to God, right? Romans chapter 12, it says this, for just as each of us has one body with many members and these members do not all function, do, do not have all the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to another. We have different gifts according to the grace to each of us. So here Paul talks about how God gives you gifts. And, and what's interesting is like we are the church. We're called the body of Christ. And we're a bunch of different individuals, different gifts. God gives each of us, everyone, different gifts. Like in my body, right? My hand does what my hand does. And my foot does what my foot does. Right? And, and all of my body parts serve to make one body. And the same for us. God has given us through the Holy Spirit supernatural spiritual gifts. And when we come together and we use those gifts for the local church to serve the, for the glory of God, that's when the church becomes dangerous. That's when the church becomes some, a movement that is, it penetrates cities and communities. And so the Spirit of God is God's gift to us as Christians so we can achieve life and life to the full. And he does it by guiding us and providing for us. And so as we study the Holy Spirit, we have to understand that the Spirit of God is the seal of a believer, right? It is the actual evidence that you are a child of God, that when you believe in Jesus and what he accomplished for you through his cross and his resurrection, God gives you a deposit, an inheritance, a gift in the Holy Spirit. Look what Ephesians 1 says. It says, when you believed. Okay, let's pause here because the image of God and the spirit of God are different things. You see, when we're born, we are all created in the image of God. We all carry that. Every human being born in this earth is made in the image of our creator, God himself. And so we all have that, but the spirit of God is something that comes when Paul says, when you believe. When you choose individually to place your faith and trust in God rescuing you from your sin through his death and resurrection, when you believe that, you are marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance and to the redemption of those who are God's possessions to the praise of his glory. Now, some of us might ask the question, well, Drew, okay, how do I know that the Holy Spirit lives in me? Right? How do I know I have that deposit? How do I know the spirit of God is, is my guide and, and, and he's providing for me? And if you just go back six months, we did a series called Marked By. And in that series, we talked about the fruits of the spirit, things that the spirit of God should be producing in our lives that we can't manufacture. Things like love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. And so if you want to know if the Spirit of God is living actively in your life, ask yourself, are you producing those things? Are you becoming more loving, more patient, more kind, more generous? Are these are fruits of the Spirit that you can't manufacture on your own, but only through the power of the Spirit working in you are produced. And so the Spirit of God is the seal, the evidence of a believer. And once you're sealed by the Spirit of God, you are always sealed. 
You see, there's a theology going around that some believe that when you accept Christ as your personal savior, you receive that gift, somehow you can lose that gift. But I think Jesus makes it abundantly clear in John chapter 14 that once you are marked by the spirit of God, that never goes away. There's no sin as big or as heinous that can void you from a relationship with God. Look what Jesus says in John chapter 14. He says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Can I ask you a question? How do you lose something that God gives you forever? How do you avoid something that God says will never leave you once you have it? Because the seal is, 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 it was really important in this culture. right? In, in the ancient times, the, a seal meant something significant because anytime a high-ranking official would send something very vital or very important to somebody else, they were given a seal, a stamp. And what they would do is they would write that letter and they would stamp it with that seal and that seal let everybody know that came from the right person. And the Holy Spirit is that stamp, that seal on your life that God, you know him and you are walking with him. And God gave us his spirit so that we could get to the place in our lives where we describe our lives as heaven on earth, as life to the fullest. And so we're six days away from Christmas. We are approaching the holiday. And can I just ask you this question? Are you personally experiencing heaven on earth? Is that how you would describe your life today? Man, Drew, I'm experiencing life and life to the fullest. Now, before you answer that question, let me just paint the picture of what heaven on earth actually is. Because I think many of us are chasing a promise that God never made. Many of us think, oh, heaven on earth must mean that when I know Jesus, he makes all my circumstances good. Many of us, we, we think that heaven on earth is that no bad happens in your life. And, and the reason why we, we believe that is because we've been sold a lie, maybe by another pastor, that when you accept Jesus into your life, everything is good. And can I just call that out? It's a lie. It is a lie. When God comes into your life, he doesn't say all your circumstances are going to be perfect and beautiful and you won't have to deal with any hardship in life. If, if you don't believe that to be true, just study the apostle Paul's life. Read after Acts chapter nine where he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. Part of his calling was, you're gonna have to suffer for the name of Jesus. And so when I say, are you experiencing heaven on earth? I'm not saying, hey, are, are you trying to, to get a life that is cushy and cozy? No, that's not heaven on earth. So what is heaven on earth? Well, heaven on earth is peace, despite the raging storm in your life. When life throws you a curveball, when something happens that you don't plan for, somehow, through the power of God, you have peace that doesn't make sense to anybody else around you. Heaven on earth is joy in, in spite of the pain you have to endure. It's joy in the midst of chemotherapy. It's joy in, in, in the midst of grief and loneliness. It's joy that, that, again, no one gets. How can you be joyful when you're dealing with that? Heaven on earth is contentment, not based on what you have or what the little or the small that, that God has given you. It's contentment being thankful that, man, I can't believe I've got this. And it's purpose and satisfaction and fulfillment despite who you are and what you do. 
So let's ask the question again. Are you experiencing heaven on earth? Do you have peace despite the storm? Do you have joy despite the pain? Are you content despite what you have? And does your life have meaning and purpose and fulfillment no matter what God's asked of you? That's heaven on earth. So some of you might say today, I'm not sure I'm there yet, Drew. How do I get there? How do I get to the place in my life where I can experience all the things we, we paint Christmas to be, right? When we talk about Christmas, we talk about hope and we talk about love and we talk about joy and we talk about peace. But you know what's funny is you look into our world, who really has that? Everybody's chasing after the things of Christmas, but it feels like no one ever actually achieves them. So how do we? How do we achieve heaven on earth? Well, I'm gonna give you three ways today. The first way is it starts, heaven on earth starts with the seal. It starts when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and you're marked by the Holy Spirit. It's a one-time decision that you can't make. You can't make, your grandma can't make it for you. Your, your coworker can't make it for you. This is an individual one-time decision in your life where you look yourself in the mirror and you say, man, I'm a sinner, it's clear. I, I've rebelled against God and I can't fix that problem. But Jesus did for me. That's what we celebrate on Christmas, what he came to do, to rescue us. And it's a confession with your mouth. It's saying, God, I'm a sinner, I'm broken. But yet through Jesus, you make me righteous. Through his death and his resurrection, through his forgiveness and him leading my life, would you come and invade my life with the Holy Spirit? That's where heaven on earth begins. You will never experience heaven on earth apart from that. You might get joy for a season. You might get hope for a season, peace for a season, but it will always fade. It starts when you surrender your life to Jesus, and then there's two things you got to do daily. The first one is heaven on earth continues when you listen to your guide, right? God gave you the Holy Spirit, and we got to listen to him. We got to pay attention to him. Too many of us, we, we've forgotten the Holy Spirit actually exists. And I would bet some of us today we're, we're turning the volume down in the Holy Spirit's life. And I'm going to press in really hard here. I'm going to get a little personal. Because many of us today, maybe you're dating and you've chosen to go down your own path and you're, you know what, you're, you're having sex outside the context God has given it in marriage. And the Holy Spirit has been screaming out to you, don't go down that path. But for some reason, you just turn the volume down. Maybe for some of you in your marriage, right, it's struggling and all you want to do right now is you want to focus on how your spouse is not taking care of you, how your spouse is not providing for your needs and the Spirit of God is pressing in and he's saying, stop thinking about yourself and think about him or her and you're just cranking his volume down. Some of us in our workplace, we, we're, we're, we're dropping our integrity because if we just fudge the numbers, it will benefit us greatly. And the Spirit of God is saying, don't do that. Don't go down that path. It's not going to benefit you, but we're turning the volume down. Some of you today, this Holy Spirit's told you to pick up the phone and make that phone call to restore that relationship, but you just don't want to. It's awkward. It's weird. And so you just crank his volume down. Some of you... During the holiday season, the Holy Spirit's been telling you to invite your neighbors, invite your coworkers to church, but you just become so busy and so caught up in the things that you do, and you just 
turn the volume down. If we truly want to experience heaven on earth, God gave us a guide. And we actually have to listen to what he's saying in our lives. We have to pay attention. He's a still small voice that will convict you and point you to the right way. You got to listen. And then third, heaven on earth solidifies when you don't just listen, but you live in obedience to that voice. You actually do what he says. You actually stop that thing or you actually do that thing that he calls you to. And I'll close with James chapter one. I love what James says. He says, do not merely listen to the word. Right? I think we do this way too much. I do this way too much, right? This is what we do on Sundays, right? We show up to church and we listen to God's word, right? It feels good, right? We're like, man, God spoke right to me. It was like the Holy Spirit knew I needed to hear that. I do this all the time. I prep the messages, right? I study and I'm like, man, God, I need this. You're convicting me. But guess what happens? We, we hear the word of God. It makes us feel good. We go to Monday and does anything change? Did we forget the word? Do we forget what God was speaking to us, right? James says, hey, don't be a church that just feels good about showing up on Sunday and listening to God's word. He says, you know what you do? You deceive yourself. You make yourself feel good. But James says, don't just listen. He says, do what it says. Do what it says. Act on it. Don't just listen, but act. Then he gives an illustration. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at it himself, he goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. Let's pause there for a second because I think the irony of this is two, two words that don't ever like align together, law and freedom. <laughs> Right, we get this in our culture right now, right? Because it feels like every time a law comes out, it doesn't give us freedom, it takes the freedom away, right? But here's what's true about God's word. Here's my guarantee, if you do what God's word says, you will experience freedom, right? The perfect law that gives you freedom and when you continue in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Guys, listen to me. Heaven on earth is very achievable. It's actually a simple path. God has made it clear. If you want to have peace and joy, satisfaction and meaning and purpose, all the things that humanity is desperately searching for, it is right there for you. Step into a relationship with Jesus. Walk with him, love him, and do what he says. Listen to your guide he's given you and follow that path. And I promise you, I guarantee you, you will experience heaven on earth. The path is clear. The question is this Christmas, will you walk down it? Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word says it's alive and it's active. And I'm always amazed that, you know, in a group, over campuses and online. That God, with people of so many different circumstances, so many different things going on, your word has the capability to actually penetrate all of our lives right here today. With so many things going on, so many different things that we're struggling with and fighting through, your word hits us right where we are. And so God, I pray today for that person who needs to cross the line of faith. They've been thinking about it for a while. I pray today would be the day where when they go home and they just 
go to their bedroom. They go to the kitchen. They fall on their knees and say, God, I need you. Would you come and invade my life? And I pray for all of us who are searching for the things like hope and peace that we would take your path, not our own path, to find it. Invade our lives today, God. In Jesus' name.